Uh, you have the choice of <clears throat> swearing on the Bible. I believe there's one on the desk. Sorry. I'll just let my yes be yes. So you just ask me and I'll say yes. Okay. I don't need a Bible to. All right. So will I just follow the usual format I've been following and ask yes. you to yeah. affirm that you will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yes. Thank you. Good afternoon. How are you? Can you please uh, state your phone name for us? Sure. Uh, my name is Jason McVicker. Where do you live? I live in uh, just outside of Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. And what do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. Pastor McVicker, uh, you're living in PEI mm -hmm. at this time. Yeah. Where were you prior to moving to PEI? Well, I'm from New Brunswick, and uh, for 11 years I did ministry in uh, New Brunswick, Fredericton. You were a pastor at a ministry in Fredericton, yes? Say that again? I said you were a pastor at a ministry in Fredericton? Yes, yeah, for 11 years. For 11 years. Um, can you tell me more about your time at the church in Fredericton, please? And specifically, I'm interested in... Uh, incidents that happened to you regarding your status? If you sure. Um, with regard to COVID and the pandemic and everything, my experience was pretty unique in that I got to, I ministered to a lot of people who, the, the church existed in a low-income area. And so uh, when the mandates all came rolling out and the lockdowns came, uh, there were a lot of people who were adversely affected by all that stuff. And, uh, and so I was ministering to a lot of people, and uh, people in really hard ways. Like, I was dealing with people who were struggling with suicide. I was struggling with uh, domestic abuse from the lockdowns, people just being locked up together. It was mostly older people who were doing that. And uh, extreme loneliness from the, the older community as well. Um, so I had seen firsthand kind of the negative effects of, of all of the policies that were coming down from the government. And then... Uh, it never really affected me. We, our family was fine. We just rolled with the punches as they came. It wasn't until uh, it was the end of September when the mandates for the vaccine came, came into effect. And uh, Dorothy Shepard, on behalf of the government of New Brunswick, had approached the faith communities and had approached uh, churches. And it had basically, in, in an effort to get the, the vaccine uptake to 90%, they wanted, uh, they wanted churches to promote the vaccines among their congregation, and they, wanted, uh, they encouraged uh, vaccine mandates. And then the government had implemented a policy that said if churches would uh, require uh, proof of vaccination, that they could operate full capacity, no restrictions, no masking, nothing. Uh, but if they, if they weren't going to implement the uh, proof of vaccines, uh, then they would have to go back to their operational plans. And that's when my experience went from ministering to people who were struggling with, uh, with these different mandates and these different policies to just being on the receiving end of some of those negative outcomes. And it all began October 3rd, uh, so short but li very little 
I'd say eight days after uh, Dorothy Shepard had approached the churches. I had received a letter from our board basically making my vaccination status the new, the, the new measure of my ministry and my character. And they had included in this letter, well, they, they had indicated that uh, the vast majority of the congregation and the vast majority of the, the board um, felt that vaccination was the only way out of this pandemic and that, that my, my opinions uh, with regard to uh, the, whole, the whole pandemic, but uh, mostly my, my refusal to receive the vaccine was causing huge troubles in the church. And uh, I'll just read you some quotes to give you an indication of how they redefined, not redefined, they, they just made it the measure of my ministry, my character the fact that I wouldn't get vaccinated. So they, uh, in terms of ministry, they said, quote, uh, that I was exercising poor judgment and a lack of discernment, that I had created deep wounds in your flock, that I had created barriers to you being able to teach, nurture, and guide, that it was a lapse of wisdom, that it was a portent of future errors that could affect you on the pulpit, that it was an erosion of trust and confidence, that it was uh, creating division in the congregation, and that uh, there was a need to repair and rebuild the congregation. Just um, for the commission, the document uh, Pastor Vicker is referring to has been entered into electronic evidence sure. uh, and will be available to you. In, in terms of my character, <laughs> the letter went on to say that I was placing my physical health uh, before that of the congregation and that I was placing my own physical health before that of my own children and the children of the congregation. So before this, Mr. Pastor McVicker, I just want to ask a question. You, because <clears throat> you had been there at that for about 10 years. Yeah, well, it was, it was, this was, it was actually the anniversary of my 11th year that all of this was, this was happening. Um, but it was 10 years. It was really good years. Uh, no, no conflicts, no, like, yeah, there, was just, there were no issues whatsoever. So, <clears throat> so the board... Uh, that now attacked your character uh, rather significantly, and they, they, they just redefined it. It was because it was ten years. It was fine. Like there was had a great relationship with the congregation, good relationship with the board. Uh, it wasn't until my refusal to be vaccinated that suddenly my character and my ministry took on this whole new light. So in the eleven years prior, you've you've taken. Uh, this parish, um, this community, and you've community of faith, and you've you've built it. And what did you what did you build it from, and how did that come about? Well, they had had a they had had a tumultuous period where it was basically just a mass exodus of their congregation, and uh, and I had come about two years after that had happened, and they were down to I don't I'm not even sure it was around 20 people or something like that. And uh, over the years that we were uh, just rebuilding, and we had gotten it up to, well, pri just prior to the pandemic, it was around 45, 50 people. And then the pandemic came, and just had crazy swings after the pandemic. But So you had a significant increase uh, from when you initially took it over until, until the end. Yeah, we were making good progress. And you said during that time, had you at the board ever had any other sanctions or complaints about how you led the ministry, how you uh, interacted with the members, 
Had no, nothing formal. There was like differences of opinions about little things, but it's all no, nothing formal. No reprimands. No anything like literally no conflict with the congregation. Like so, no, no poor judgment and no lack no. of discernment. No, the, every, everything that was laid out in this letter was purely related to the vaccine. It had nothing to do with my actual ministry. So when when you say it was purely in the letter, nothing and uh, actually had nothing to do with your ministry. Did the board present you with any evidence from the congregation to support the allegations that they've levied against you? No. Well, leading up to it, like I, I wasn't, I wasn't shy about my opinions outside of the church setting uh, about my, like how I felt about all these restrictions and and how I felt about the vaccine, and. Uh, so we disagreed on that, and there was constant pressure once the vaccines came into into effect. Um, there was constant pressure from the board, especially, for me to get the vaccine, and I just I refused for the longest time. It was mostly just because uh, I was so healthy. All the evidence that I had seen in terms of pure numbers, I didn't watch TV, so I wasn't really subject to all the the fear mongering that was going on. I just I went to the government website and just read the numbers. And uh, so I, I made my choice based on those numbers. And uh, so the pressure was constant. It wasn't until the government kind of approached the churches that it went from just them disagreeing with... I had no idea that they felt this. I knew they disagreed with me, and I knew that it was frustrating for them. Mm-hmm. Um, once, once, uh, once that letter was written, I, I had written... Well, They had required three things of me in this letter. They said that they wanted me to outline steps that I'll take to create a path to healing the wounds described above. And they wanted me to detail how I would perform my uh, pastoral duties. And they wanted me to elaborate on what I could do to ensure the congregation's physical health. Again, because I'm unvaccinated and apparently dangerous. (laughs) And so I wrote them a letter. I just answered their three questions. I let them know that as far as as far as the steps that I'll take to create path to healing, I didn't know the congregation. I knew they had problems with how I was, you know, with my views. I didn't think it would affect my pulpit or my ministry at all. I just thought it was a disagreement about a worldly matter. Uh, but I had no idea the congregation that they were. So anyway, I wrote, them a, I wrote them a formal response. I said, as far as healing the wounds, I don't know who's hurt. I don't know who's so offended. Like, all of these things that you're putting before me, I don't know who I would approach. I don't know who feels that nobody's coming to me with this stuff. I had no idea that people were so, uh, you know, so took con- so much offense to, to the choice that I made. The congregation didn't, again, didn't Yeah, there was, there's no indication. From- again, mm-hmm. everybody... Like, I knew that I was the minority view. I just had no idea that it was the measure of my ministry and my character at that point. Uh, so, and, and I just, I said that, I just have no idea how I would heal wounds that I didn't know existed. Um, but I also say, as far as the second one, they said they wanted me to detail how I'd be able to perform the pastoral duties. It was simple. The government had laid it all out, and they had given us an ultimatum. They said, if you, if you require vaccination um, and you require proof of vaccination, that uh, you could operate full capacity. I said, I won't be vaccinated, so that'll, you know, if you're going to require proof of vaccination, I can't even minister, so that'll take care of that. But if you don't, if you take option B, we'll just do what we've always done. We'll do the operational plan, which I wrote. <laughs> so they, they gave you the ultimatum. 
Yeah. Um, that essentially you need to get vaccinated. If not, no, they, they didn't say, they never once said, I have to give it. They just, they kept asking and asking and asking. And the way the letter was written, it was obvious that that was the outcome they were going for. That, uh, that what they were trying to portray was that my ministry was in shambles. What they were trying to portray was that my ministry was going to be impossible without, without vaccination. And so the other thing that they asked was to elaborate on what you can do to ensure your congregation's physical health. I just, I told them that was absurd. Like, you guys can't, you can't ensure your physical, like, you can't ensure, neither can I. Nobody can ensure people's physical health. I told them I would do the things that I have been doing. Uh, I'll abide by all of the actual uh, practices that we had implemented, the operational plan. I'll, I'll do the physical distancing when it's required. I'll do the masking when it's required. I'll do the... Uh, even when it came to my vaccination status, I was always very forthright with people. I, I put the ball in their, their court. I wanted them to know that if they were uncomfortable with my vaccination status, that I that actually had a colleague, a pastor, a friend, who would be more than willing to, to minister them, to them in person if they wanted. Like, everything was in place to, as far as, even though I didn't believe that stuff about me being more dangerous, if they felt that way, I accommodated them. So you took steps, you said, for... Um, for people that were not comfortable with you, because you said a one-on-one. -on -one. So did you also, aside from having a congregation on your typical Sunday, I suppose, uh, mm -hmm. uh, church time, you also provided services to people on a one-on-one -on -one basis? Oh yeah, I did a lot of counseling, did a lot of, uh, we would do, so there were, there were corporate ministries that I would engage in, so I would do the Sunday service, preaching, teaching, um, I'd be on the stage with them leading in worship and stuff. And then uh, there'd be the Bible study, and, uh, and then we had a prayer group as well, but I didn't lead that. I had somebody else leading that. And, uh, and the rest was all one-on-one -on -one stuff. A lot of people from the community, especially when COVID hit, there were a lot of people, once word got out that there was a pastor in town that, that would hear you out instead of wait for their turn to tell you why you're wrong about the vaccines, they started coming to me. And... And that's when I started dealing with people who had such crazy struggles. And plus, it was the neighborhood I was in. I was already very well known, very well liked in the community, and people and you people were in and out all the time. Um, did you advise the board members that you had made arrangements for someone for not for a vaccinated pastor uh, to take over counseling, uh, a lot of sessions for you if the person you were yeah. cooking to see well, wanted counseling? When they when they had a. When they had written that letter and I wrote my response, at the end of the response, I, I told them, I was like, it's very clear from this letter that there's nothing good is going to come from me uh, defending myself. And, uh, and you've already made it super clear that my judgment in this regard has put me in a place where my ministry is not even, like, if this is the new measure of my ministry, like, you shouldn't want me to be your minister. And so I said, uh, at the end of that letter, I was like, I don't see a path forward. It, I basically said... Like, it seems to me that nothing short of me taking ownership, taking responsibility for all of these so-called hurts and all of these... How about uh, I read it? What's Last that? Quicker, I have it right in front of me. I can read it. What's that? Then you said, I have it right yeah, in front sure. of me. That way you don't need to try and refer sure. from memory. Yep. Again, uh, this is entered as an electronic exhibit. And it's, quote, <clears throat> To be frank, your letter strikes me as unrealistic, unreasonable, and unfair. It's clear to me that nothing good will come from me defending myself and by your own account, nothing good will come from me exercising my own judgment when it comes to these vaccines. For this reason, I believe it is time for us to discuss how we can part ways in a way 
that keeps both parties, in brackets, the board and myself, close bracket, above reproach. Yeah. What was the result of your reply to their letter? Well, they had called a, they had called a, they called it a closed session meeting. So I went to the meeting. It was just the board and myself. And they took my phone because they didn't want it recorded. And uh, anyway, it was one of the craziest things I've ever experienced in terms of, I consider it to be abusive. It was, it was just they took turns basically reiterating everything they had written in the letter, but it was, yeah. It was so much more than anyway. It was, it was. What happened within the meeting? Can you give us a, a brief summation uh, of, of what happened? How, they did, just, you, they took how turns. did you feel about it when you were there? Were you heard? Oh, yeah. It was. I, I considered it abusive to the point where. Abusive? I'm sorry? I, I just let them say their piece after a while. I didn't say anything after a while. And when they were done, I reiterated that. Uh, that I wouldn't be getting my vaccine and that they need to deal with that, that they seem to be hyper-focused on this idea that I can be convinced. And it, was, it was funny, like even at that time, it wasn't even that I was refusing the vaccine entirely. I wanted to see how the winter played out because Omicron was already happening in Europe and it was already, like all these numbers were rolling in and I was like, I don't even want to revisit the issue until the springtime. I said, for now, I'm not going to get it, and you need to deal with that, and you need to decide what you want to do, because it sounds like if this letter, if you really believe what you wrote in this letter, I'm not fit for ministry. Uh, if this is the new measure of my ministry and character, I'm not fit. And so you need to deal with that reality. Like I, so after that, they asked me to leave the meeting, and I did. And, uh, and I waited that night for kind of confirmation of what they had decided, and I didn't get it until the morning. And... Uh, they had decided in a, that they would, they didn't want to do anything rash. And so what they would do instead is they would move everything online, except for the Bible study, because, or not the Bible study, the prayer group, because I wasn't part of the prayer group. So they moved it all online. They asked me not to meet with anybody in person, especially unvaccinated people. So uh, basically, I'm sorry. Yes. You, you were unvaccinated yourself. And yes. they asked you not to meet with other unvaccinated people? Yeah. They asked me not to meet with anybody in person basically self-isolate <laughs> okay so was uh, there a reason given why you shouldn't no because at this time everything was starting to to open up a little bit like the government had everything was open in the government everything was open in businesses everybody uh, it was only our church as far as i know there was no other business no other church no other uh, government entity that was shutting down it was just our ministries that were going to shut down so they they shut it all down, asked me not to meet people in person. So I did everything online. And, uh, and uh, after that, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here. So you left the meeting. You were waiting to hear something back from the board uh, that particular night to see how you were moving forward. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, so they, they wanted to shut it down for four weeks. And they, they started kind of piling on these restrictions. And so... I had assumed that was a response to my letter because in the letter I had responded to them saying, like, well, just do ministry the way I've been doing ministry. We'll abide by the government's policies and we'll, and we'll just keep rolling forward with our operational plan. And when it's open, we'll be open. And when it's closed, we'll be closed. And we'll, we'll do what we've done for the past six months or four months or however long it was. And then we had the operational plan in effect. 
And so they started piling on, they started piling on like all of these new restrictions of their own accord, just based on their own opinions of, of so-called numbers. And, uh, and uh, I had moved, I had moved the online stream, especially for, uh, for church, I moved it ahead an hour because nobody else in the city was closed. So I wanted to take my church to family or take my family to church. And so um, I moved the live stream ahead an hour and I took my family to church and I got an email that afternoon, I think it was, uh, just asking from the board, asking why I had moved the live stream ahead an hour and I told them I wanted to take my family to church. And then after that, I received um, another letter reiterating those three things. Again, they asked me again, we want you to, you know, tell us how you're going to protect the congregation. We want you to tell us how you're going to do ministry. So it was essentially like, here's a whole bunch of new restrictions. Now, how are you going to do ministry? So, Pastor McVicker, um, ultimately, what was the outcome of the conversations, the meetings between you and the board? Well, they... Um, at the end of the meetings, I got the distinct impression I wasn't going to resign because I didn't think I did anything wrong. And I wanted them, if they were going to make this the measure of my ministry, I wanted them to fire me for it. Like, if this is the new measure, you're going to have to deal with it. Like, you're going to have to be the ones who initiate all of this. And so, at this point, I'm just, I've lost 20 pounds. I'm a guy who can't afford to lose 20 pounds. Like, I was the most stressed I've ever been in my entire life. My ministry was in shambles, as far as I knew. Um, they, so I, I decided I'd call a congregational meeting, because it, it was clear they were trying to force something, but they weren't going to be the ones who wanted to initiate it. I wasn't going to quit. And so um, I wanted a congregational meeting. I wanted to bring them into it and say, you know, is it appropriate for, for this to be the new measure? If they agree, well, then vote me out. If you disagree, let's move on and let's put this behind us. And the, con- uh, the meeting that you're referring to, congressional meeting, yeah. what, what, is, what is that comprised of? It's a, you can call these congress, anytime you have a decision that needs to be made that affects the whole congregation, you bring the congregation together with the board and you, you talk about it, you, you work it out, you hash it out, you create the agenda, you create the documents you need. And so that's what I did. I, I had emailed the board and I told them I'm calling a congregational meeting uh, I need you guys to provide these documents. I was like, I need you guys to be the ones who call the meeting because uh, you guys have been speaking on behalf of the congregation. You've been acting on their behalf, so you guys are going to be the ones to do this. And they, they denied that. They said, no, we're not willing to call a congregational meeting. So I told them, you need to revisit Constitution. I'm like, I gave you the option to do it because you've been talking on behalf of the congregation. But I'm calling a congregational meeting one way or another. So they, they said no. They said they wanted to have another meeting uh, in person. I said, no, I wasn't going to do that after the last meeting. I was like, I've been advised by people not to ever put myself in that position again. Pastor McVicker, um, sorry to interject, but in the interest of time, um, you ultimately decided to part ways with with this church. Yeah, so we, we entered into a, before the, like I said, at that point, I was just done. I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's too stressful. My wife, my family, like, all of it was brutal. It was the most brutal thing I've ever experienced. So I just wanted to be done. So I didn't even get to the congregational meeting. I, I called up uh, my father-in-law, who's dealt with this stuff before, and got him to mediate a mutual de- uh, 
parting of ways, a mutual agreement to terminate the contract. And so fast forward to, uh, I forget the exact date, I'm signing this contract and I'm getting a bunch of texts from the congregation congratulating me on my new endeavors. And I'm like, what are people talking about? And I got several of these texts as I'm signing this document. And I, I finally, on my way out, I get another text from somebody asking me if this was really a mutual agreement. Like, if the agreement was actually mutual. And I said, no. And they said, uh, do you want to talk? And so I got together with them and they showed me the, the newsletter where they announced my parting of ways. And I, uh, I can read that out, actually. Yeah, could you read that? It's, yeah. yeah, that's right. And that was on October 24th. Sure. Uh, sorry, October 27th. The letter, the, uh, the parting ways uh, that the board chose to, to word was as follows, quote, Jason's contract has ended by mutual agreement as he has accomplished all that he can in this ministry and he will now move on to new endeavors. We thank Jason for his years of service and wish him all the best in his future plans, yeah. end quote. So they just flat out lied to their congregation. And, and I kept on getting these texts and these messages congratulating me, so I'd have to, I didn't know how to correct them because I didn't want to be, anyway. So it was just this big mess, and, and ultimately, uh, over time, and talking with people, had discovered that nobody knew. It was just these, this, the board, the, the individuals on the board were acting on their own, their own accord. The congregation, 100% in the dark, had no idea that any of this was even happening in the background. So I had been misled by this letter that had portrayed my ministries in total shambles. Like the congregation was completely in the dark, and now they had lied to the congregation about the nature of my leaving. So Pastor Vicar, what I hear you saying is that they've lied to you and they've lied to your congregation. Yeah, like I never would have entered into mutual. If I had known that especially after talking to people face-to-face -face from the congregation, that, that even though they disagreed with me, this never would have been the approach they would have approved of. This never would have been the way they would have wanted it done. I never would have entered into those. Like, I, I, my ministry was destroyed over this stuff. Thank you. And, and I never would have gone down that path. Yes. Thank, thank you, Pastor sure. Dicker. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Yep. Um, I would like to defer to the commissioners for any follow-up questions. Please. Yeah, thank you, very much. thank you very much for your testimony. Sure. Uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not a religious, well, I'm religious, but I'm not practicing like a pastor, but I have a, I have to, I have problem to write. That's, that's how everybody who's not religious talks to me. Well, well, they, I, always, they always put that caveat. I'm a believer, <laughs> I'm a believer, but I'm a scientist, and I have a hard time to wrap my head around what you're telling me, because seems to me, based on the level of understanding from your people on the board, mm -hmm. that I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, that they have a deep understanding of the science behind what they are promoting. They, well, one of them was a pharmacist, so he, he had some understanding, but most of them are just lay people. Would it be fair to assess that this is more based on faith? Trust. They gave implicit trust to the people who were talking on TV. Okay. Um, I, I'm not a scholar of the Bible, but my understanding is that the reason why humans are alive today is because they benefit from a God-given natural immunity. Have they ever heard of that? They saw it in me. 
I never got sick. I never got COVID. <laughs> so it seems to me that what you are experiencing, correct me if I'm wrong, is a struggle of faith between two different beliefs. You believe in natural immunity, God-given natural immunity, and I can assure you there's a lot of science behind it. I don't want to speculate on beliefs or anything like that. They, in the end, like, I don't even... They processed... They just followed through on what the government put out there. And they, they did it in what I consider to be a super unethical way, and that kind of blows my mind that they would do it. And I never, never in a million years would I have thought that would have been the way, but I don't know. I don't know what their beliefs are. Like, that, their motivations, their intentions, that stuff's God's territory. I don't care. All I care about is what they did. So, so what is your option moving forward for your ministry well, or other ministry? I'm, I'm in full-time ministry now. Like, once I... Like, we, we ended up moving to Prince Edward Island to be closer to my wife's family. And uh, the moment I got over there, f- from the moment I got there, I was filling pulpits, preaching, and uh, I was asked to apply to a few different churches. And, like, nobody had a problem with... And I, and I was super frank. I was like, I'm not dealing with this stuff ever again. So I, I told them, I'm like, if I, if I put my name in... Like, you got to tell your congregation exactly where I stand on all this stuff. And I'll never preach it, and I'll never be, like, I'll never be heavy-handed. I don't care what people believe about this stuff. They make their own choices. I just want to be left alone with mine. And so I wanted them to understand. I was like, you just got to make sure they know that I'm not vaccinated. I probably never will be vaccinated, not with this mRNA stuff. And and nobody cared. Like, everybody, like, there were several churches who were asking me to apply, even knowing that. Thank you. Sure. No, there are more questions coming. I'm sorry. Okay. I was just wondering, there's a couple of questions I have. Um, the first one, is there anything in your contract with the church in Fredericton that would suggest that this may be a problem if, the, if your faith goes against what the world is, is promoting? I Actually, I stayed away from faith statements about why I wasn't being vaccinated. So, like, there's nothing in the contract that would, yeah, say anything like that. And I stayed away from it because, like, speaking from a place of, of faith, the Holy Spirit informed the decision I made. But I never appealed to that because it, I can't, I can't, it's an appeal to an authority you can't confirm. And so I just never did. I just, I stayed purely with the numbers. I'm healthy. I don't need the shot. They don't stop infection. They don't stop transmission. So I'm not, you're no more protected with me vaccinated than unvaccinated. Those were my two reasons for not, yeah. So I I stayed away from that. Okay. My second question is, did the government, do you know if the government offered financial incentives to set up church buildings as vaccination centers? No. You're not aware? I'm not aware, no. And nobody ever approached us, or at least not that I was aware of. And I believe that some of the arguments for churches closing fell to Romans 13. I believe that's right. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are when uh, Christian churches or faith groups would raise the first couple of verses in Romans 13 as an argument for following uh, the leadership of of our uh, secular governments. 
I did. Like, and, and we did. Like, we, we implemented the operational plans. We followed everything. Uh, there was no mandate for the church. Like, nobody mandated anything within the congregation, and the government didn't mandate anything for us. So that's not an argument. Okay. And then my final question is, you suggested that the mandates in New Brunswick were um, decreasing at a time that the, these restrictions within the church were increasing. I'm just wondering, did the, did you, did you, at any point in this journey that you've just gone through, did you feel like the province, the health authorities or the province, were targeting the church or that there was religious Oh, They definitely bigotry? targeted the church because, um, well, for one, I don't know what it was like in other provinces, but I know in New Brunswick, a huge portion of the unvaccinated population were from the faith community. And Dorothy Shepherd approached the faith community specifically, asking that they promote vaccines to their congregations and, uh, and encourage them to require proof of vaccination in order to boost those numbers to 90%. So they most definitely targeted the churches. So are you aware of other churches that went through this same struggle between the congregations and the ministers as a consequence? There was only one other church that I, that I knew of that went down the road that my church went down. The rest just navigated it fine. Actually, the church that my family and I landed in after all of this stuff, they were the exact same scenario as us. Their pastors were unvaccinated. They, they, they just handled it in a way more mature way. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor McGregor. I sure. appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you.